Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Amen. All right, say hi to someone. Just wave. I'm happy to see everybody this morning. God bless you. You can have your seats. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Um, in case you're meeting me for the first time, my name is Sheon Salami. My wife and I are the pastors here at Believer's House, and we want to welcome you to church today. Thank you for joining us. If today is the first time that you're here, because I know there's quite a few people that are here for the first time today, we want to welcome you especially. We don't here, we don't ask people to stand up or do all those things. We don't do that here. Um, but we want you to know that we appreciate the fact that you came today. All right? All we ask you to do is that before you leave today, pick up a Connect card at the back of the room and fill it out if you want to. All right? Uh, the only reason why is that we want to give you a gift. So when you exchange it uh, with the very beautiful lady in red over there, she will give you a gift bag that you can take home with you, just as a thank you for coming today, okay? God bless you for coming. And if you're watching online, I want to welcome you as well. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. There's so many things you could be doing right now, but you chose to tune in. And even if you're watching this later on, I, I'm still grateful that you were able to connect with us. I know that there's a lot of you who, when you want to attend a church, you first check them out online. And then you decide whether you like the service, okay? So we hope that you like the service today and that you join us physically sometime very soon. All right. Um, around here, we normally joke before we share the word, okay? Because we know that people come to church with a heavy heart. So we share some jokes <laughs> just to make you laugh <laughs> so that the word of God can penetrate, okay? I don't want you frowning at me when I'm preaching, all right? Okay. So um, there's some of the jokes that I always tell my people here that you will, you will get the joke when you are going home. Some, you'll get it immediately and laugh, but some is on the way home when you're driving. You just start laughing. People say, why is he laughing? Say, that joke that pastor shared, I just remembered it. All right? So a middle-aged lady had a heart attack. She was taken to the hospital, and on operating table, she had a near-death experience. During the experience, she asked God for 30 more years to live. And God said, okay. After her recovery, she felt great. She figured that she might as well make the most of it. Uh, if she was going to live another 30 years. So she stayed in the hospital a while longer and had a facelift, a lipsocturn, I don't know what that is, I think when they make their lips bigger, um, augmentation, tummy talk, you know all those things. And she had a perm and a new hair color. She looked completely different. And then when she walked out of the hospital, an ambulance speeding up ran over her and killed her. When she got to the gates of heaven, she said to God, why did you let the ambulance hit me? I thought you said I had another 30 years. And God said, well, I did not recognize you. <laughs> An elderly pastor heard a popular young preacher give a sermon on adultery in his church. The best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife, said the preacher. The congregation was shocked. And then he quickly added, and that woman was my mother. The congregation laughed just like you did, and the sermon was a great success. The next week, the elderly pastor decided to use the same joke in his own church. But when he got to the pulpit, he couldn't quite remember the joke very well. So he announced loudly, the greatest years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. The members gasped in shock. After standing there for almost a minute in the stunned silence, trying to recall the second part of the joke, he finally said, and I can't really remember who she was. Final one. A young woman quickly signed for a library book because of its fascinating title, How to Rich Men, Win Men, and Keep Men. 
She grabbed the book and rushed home quickly to settle down to start reading. Then she noticed the small subtitle, a manual of useful information on how to build a men's Bible study group. All right, let's take our confession this morning. Say this with me. Say every day. Uh, you need to do better than that. Say every day. And in every way. I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. In my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we have come before your word again today like people that have found a great treasure. We ask for eyes that see and ears that hear. Eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear his voice. Hearts that understand who we are in Christ and who Jesus Christ is in us. As for me that you anoint me and my lips of clay, let your word come unhindered and unchecked by any outside force. So that at the end of this message, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said? Amen. All right, quick show of hands. Married folks first. Um, how many women here want a godly husband? If your husband is beside you, I, I will not raise my hand if I were you. Okay, let's do it like this. I can see some husbands spying on their wives. <laughs> let's, let's ask it this way. Uh, for men, men, how many of you at least want to be godly husbands? How many men? Okay, all right, that's safer. All right, let's ask the singles. I think singles are free. They are, their own is very easy, okay? How many single ladies want to marry a godly husband? God is watching, though. This is like everyone will snap the picture and just make it happen, Okay. All right, so how many married men, how many single men, rather? Why am I saying married men? Single men want uh, a godly lady as a wife. Okay, only something wants. Okay, all right. <laughs> now, I'm asking this question because you see, everybody wants a godly partner. Everybody wants a godly partner. Even men that are promiscuous, when it's time to get married, guess where they go? Church. You got it. They come to church. And for like a year, they would adjust their behavior and character Okay, and follow all the rules <laughs> of the courtship. And the minute they get married, they carry the wife and they go. All right, so everybody wants a godly partner. That's what we're saying. Uh, so today we're talking about this new series that we're in called Cleave, God's Plan for Marriage. But today what I want to focus on in the first two parts of this message is we will talk about what godly men want. And then next week we'll talk about what godly women want, okay? So women, don't be angry today. Today is for us, all right? So we want to share some secrets with you on what godly men are looking for in a wife, all right? And we are saying godly men because it's important that you don't take this message and assume that we're talking, because there are so many people watching from everywhere. And you can hear this and, and say, oh, you are being generalistic, you are being, you know all these words that we throw around now, you are being sexist, you are being this and that, and you are just, you know, generalizing everybody. So this is godly men. We're talking about what? God bless you. So, let's look at the word of God. Go to the book of Ephesians and just turn there and stay there for a while. All right? And we will read something from Ephesians very soon. Let me tell you the story of, of thieves. You know, you know that thieves, people who steal money, they are looking for honest people to keep the money for them. Do you know that? When thieves, after they stole money, they will ask, they, will, they want to give it to somebody and they say, you, you are a thief. You can't keep this money. You will steal this money. But they stole the money. Reminds me of the story of a, of a politician in a, in a country that I know. I won't mention the name of the country, okay? Um, he stole money in government, a lot of money. And then he was looking for a honest person, a trustworthy person to keep the money for him. Imagine, you know? And then he found this lawyer, a very young lawyer, and he, he gave the lawyer the money, a lot of money, all right? Uh, this is a true story. If you know, you know. If you don't know, it's okay. 
And then he went away in exile for a long time just to avoid the government and all of those things. And then when he came back, the lawyer actually returned all his money to him. Intact. He didn't touch the money. So when it was time for them to choose a new governor, he actually put that guy, he literally installed that guy into power because he knew that this person is a trustworthy guy. If I can steal money and give this guy and I come back and steal my money, <laughs> this guy is a trustworthy guy. So everybody is looking for somebody that is honest, someone that is trustworthy. Have you found Ephesians yet? All right, we're going to chapter number five, and we're going to read from verse 33. Ephesians chapter five, the title of the message, like I said, is what godly men want. And I know what you would think is the, is the first thing that when they say what do men want, I know what comes to your mind. As you think, ah, I know what I know. Ah, no, but honestly, what you think is not what it is, the most important one. Okay, that's what we want to see today. All right, so the first thing, that men actually want. Godly men, the first thing and the most important one. This is point number one. Men need honor and respect. Point number one. Godly men are looking for honor and respect. Ephesians chapter number five. Somebody said amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter five and verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In this one verse, the Bible has told us what women want and what men want. It says the women are looking for love, but the men are looking for something called respect. That is a man's most important need. All right? So men want their egos to be massaged. They want to hear that they are doing well. No man wants to feel defeated, especially when you start to compare him with another man. No man wants that. They don't want to be compared to anybody. Men want to be treated like kings especially inside their own house. You know, it's okay for me to go to somebody else's house and they give me a small chair to sit down on and they treat me anyhow they like. That's fine. But when I come to my own house, I want to feel important inside my house. I want to feel like, you know, this is my own house at least. So don't, don't give my, my friend that comes to visit two pieces of meat and an extra bowl of fish. And then when it's time for me to eat, you cut the fish into two. Amen. There's going to be a problem there. <laughs> There's, I hope you are not sitting with your wife. <laughs> There's going to be a problem. So those are the little things that men, you know, look at. And that's how we, we decide whether you honor us or you respect us or not. That's how. We just use, that's all we, I see, Pastor is uh, agree with me. So that's all we use to decide. All right? And it's very, very easy to, to get into that trap. Because you have seen your husband for so, like I said, today is for men. So next week, women, you will have your turn. Okay? But today, let's, let's talk. All right? All right. Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 57. Matthew 13, 57. It says, So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, A prophet is not without honor in his own house. So I can be a prophet, uh -huh, and other people can be respecting me outside. But inside my own house, it, there's a tendency to be taken for granted. And that's what the, the, the message translation of this verse actually says. The message translation, it says, But Jesus said, A prophet is taken for granted in his hometown and his family. He didn't do many miracles there because of their hostile indifference. So, don't respect your pastor more than you respect your husband. I shouldn't come to your house and you are kneeling down and greeting me. But your husband is this guy. There's a problem. That, that's wrong. 
Because the Bible doesn't support that. It says you should show honor to your husband, in, at least in his own house. Honor him, all right? So the, more you, the, the way you would honor any other person that you, that you respect and that you love is the same way you should honor your own husband, especially your own husband. And that's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter number 3. Uh, and it doesn't say that, you know, when people talk about women and say, oh, women shouldn't submit to anybody, the Bible didn't actually say that women should submit to every man. That's not what the Bible says. It says to submit to your own husband. Look at it, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your own husband as is fitting in the Lord. So it's not saying that every woman in church should submit to me or that every, no, no, no. It's saying when you get to your own house, to your own husband, submit respect him because he says it's fitting this is fitting in the lord this is fitting so honor your husband especially with your words because words are the most important weapon that women have so please try with your words to honor your husband to show that you respect him never take your husband for granted it could end up being costly your husband at the end of the day is not different and this is for christian christian uh, women you know christian women have a tendency to think that because my husband is a man of god uh, there are some things he will never do uh, let me bust your bubble. At the end of the day, late in the midnight hour, every man is a man. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Okay, so men are not happy again. Every man, at the, I'm telling you, at the end of the day, every man is a man. If you know, you know. Point number two, let's keep going. Men are insecure providers. That's the second thing I want you to remember about men today. Men, especially godly men, are insecure providers. Men were wired to be providers, but they are also insecure. Let me say it like this. Men were wired to be providers, but we are also very insecure. What do I mean by this? We need to be providing because that's how we are wired, for us to feel secure. For us to feel that we are valued and important, we need to be providing. So when you have a man who is not able to provide, you have to be very careful the way you handle that man because you can damage him forever. You can destroy something inside the man when you are not treating the man with respect and honor simply because he's not able to provide at the moment. And I'm not talking about the man that doesn't want to do anything. That's a different story. We'll, we'll address that another day. I'm talking about a man that you know that genuinely wants to do something but he's not able to. You need to take more care to show him more honor and more respect. First Timothy chapter number 5 and verse 8. First Timothy 5 verse 8. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Ouch. That hurts. So now you know why men are insecure. Because this is what the scripture says. It's wired into men to want to, to, to be the ones that provide for their household. But when they can't do that, it damages something. So you need to be careful. And I mean, I remember when, when I first moved to this country and I couldn't, I couldn't work yet. Right? And my wife was the only one working. She took more time, more care during that period. <laughs> And I could, I could tell that she was doing this deliberately to show me that whether you are working or you are not working, you are still my husband. And I still love and I still respect you. And this is very, very important. Men are insecure. See, me that I'm standing in front of you, every single time, there is no time that I finish preaching a message here that I'm either going home or later on that I'm not thinking about it and saying, ah, I shouldn't have said that the way I said it. Maybe I should have used this story instead of this story. That's insecurity. And all of us have it. Every single man. But the minute I hear my wife say, man of God, ah, that was a powerful message. Something just readjusts. It's like a rewiring. It's like a reprogramming that just happens immediately. And I say, ah. Because, you know, if your wife thinks you're a man of God, chances are you're a man of God. 
Okay, because she knows you. <laughs> she knows you very well. <laughs> all right. So uh, all I'm saying is that your words are so important for a man. They are important. And even if you know, I, I finish preaching a message that even me, I know that this message it needs anointing. This message I just finished preaching. There's no. This one is not the message. <laughs> you know. And I'm going home, and I know that you will not hear her say, "Ah, man of God, now wow, that your message. It is well, though." You know, or something there, something to that effect. No, no, no. She, 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 she is very careful with that, and that's the way we, we ought to be to to manage the ego of men. And also, I mean, they are, they are, are you the only man? Are you the only man? Ah, are you the only one? Why, why is it always you? No, no, no. Those, those words are damaging. They do something to, to a man. So you need to affirm your husband. You need to affirm him. You need to let him know if he's doing something well. Don't let him guess. Don't leave him guessing. You need to let him know. If, if he does something that is good, if he does something that you approve of, you need to let him know so that he, he is able to repeat that same thing. All right? Women are not happy with me today, but don't worry. Next week is your turn, okay? So just, <laughs> all right. All right. Finally, point number three. Men want to sleep with their wives all the time. Now, I'm saying it mildly because we have kids in the room, but you understand what I'm talking about. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. Okay. Men want to sleep with their wives how many times? Time. Oh, I'm telling you, it is all the time, oh. Before, you, before they come to church on Sunday morning, they want. After church, they want to. Now, no, no, no. The men are saying, why are you revealing our secrets? But I'm telling you, this is the heart of a man. The, the way the man is wired. He's not wired like you. You need a lot of preparation. A lot of talking to. A man can literally lose his job and come home and want to sleep with his wife. Do you know that? But a woman cannot do that. A woman is not programmed like that. A woman needs you to process her through the fact that she just lost her job and talk her through that entire process because everything is in one cabinet in her mind. But a man has shelves. The job is in one place. Every other thing is in another place. It doesn't mix everything up. They are not together. So I lost my job. What does that have to do with sleeping with my wife? I beg, I beg. Let's leave that one. We lost job. We have lost the job. So what's the point? You know, and that's the way a man's brain works and we need to understand that. That when, a, when your husband, especially a Christian husband, wants to sleep with you, he's not, you are not doing him a favor. You are doing yourself a favor. You are not doing him a favor. And he's not being wicked. He's not being, you are, is that the only thing you know? Is that the only thing you know? Why is he all the time? What's wrong with you? No, you are damaging him because that's how God created him. That is the way God wired him. So it's not his fault. It's not him that is, you know, it's just, this is just, what, anyway, let me, I think some faces are changing. So let me, <laughs> let me adjust. First Corinthians chapter number. Maybe when the Bible tells you, you will understand. Uh -huh, because the way I'm saying it, you are looking at me like this pastor. Ah. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. First Corinthians 7, 3 to 5. It says, let the, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. So, women are looking for affection. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. It says, do not deprive one another. This is the Bible telling you, not me. Do not deprive one another, except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And if you ask me, most fasting and prayer happens during the day. So there's no excuse for the night. Okay, I think I'm talking too much. <laughs> All right. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday. 
Don't use it as a tool against him. Don't set him up for failure and then complain later that he failed. You know what I mean by setting him up for failure? Where you are using it as a bargaining tool for your husband and you are depriving him for so long and then when he, he messes up or he makes a mistake, you say, you see, I, I knew. I knew that you can't you can, you can help yourself. Look at you. But you are the one who set him up. Am I making sense today? Yes, okay, I think I'm preaching, I'm preaching too much. <laughs> you see, the problem with men, or we should say the challenge with men, is that men are very visual. Men are very, very visual. Look, my thoughts can be, my thoughts can be in, a, in a different place right now, and I see an image of a car, of a very nice car, huh? maybe like a Land Rover Discovery, you know, that I like, just passes by. That image alone can take me away from you, where I am right now, huh? and put me in another continent. Just that one image. That's the way it is, especially with, with this issue that we are talking about, okay? When a man sees something, everything that he has been thinking about just suddenly vanishes. I told you, we have compartments. Everything just goes into one cabinet and the, the door locks. So what I'm seeing right now is the thing that is important to me at this very moment. And if not a man that has learned to allow the Spirit of God inside of you to overrule what your body wants, every single time you will fall for it. Every single time. And this can be a very important weapon in your marriage. Very, very important weapon. Let me tell you, your, your husband can be giving you excuses. I'm giving you tricks. So he can be telling you stories. Just package properly and let him see something. His brain will recalibrate. Because that's the way he's wired. He's not, he's not wired any other way. You need a lot of, you know, you know ah, baby, your hair today is just amazing. I love your hair. Uh-huh. And then when I start saying that, ah, man, what did you do? Ah, I didn't notice that you have changed the L. Ah, man, you are, you are smashing. You are smashing. When I start saying that, that works on you. But you can't tell me that my haircut is nice and it will do anything to me. It doesn't do anything. It has no effect. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So it has no effect on me. Let me show you a, a very, a, a simple story that will illustrate this in a very simple way for you, okay? It's in, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Try to find it, but let me, let me just give you a background to the story. You know it very well. It's the story of David and Bathsheba, okay? But I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it the way you know, right? Because you see what happened here to David is very important for us because we are talking about godly men. And the truth of the matter is that before David did what he did with Bathsheba, the Bible had already said, listen to this, so this is very important. The Bible had already said about David in 1 Samuel chapter number 13, before we got to, to 2 Samuel 11. The Bible had already described David as a man after God's heart. So this wasn't an unbelieving man. The Bible says at the time when kings usually go to war, he didn't go to war, he went to the top of his roof. And then he saw a woman who was bathing. And instead of doing what every godly man should do, <laughs> he did the direct opposite of it and got himself in trouble. Let's look at the story so that you don't think that I made this up. Second Samuel, in case you're watching today and you're not really familiar with the Bible, you say, this, this pastor is just making up stories. He says, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. This is why we always say here that we will always be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Remember what I told you about what men see? Now, look at what happened. It's verse 3. So David walked away from his roof quickly and locked his door. 
Is that what he did? So David sent and inquired about the woman. So David went to look for her Instagram page and started looking for other pictures. He went to check her out on Facebook and sent, quickly sent DM. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So this guy made a point of letting David know that what you have seen is not free. This is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. But you know where the story ends. He didn't stop there. He went after her. He, he went after her. After, after the woman became pregnant, he sent for her husband. He tried to make him go and sleep with the wife. The husband said, no, I'm not going. There's nothing you will do. He got him drunk. The man said, no, I'm not going. I will sleep here. And then he, he took the man and put him in the, in the battlefield. And he lost his life. And things just spiraled from that point. So there's a difference between what you see and what you look at. You see, in the world that we live in today, it's very difficult for men to avoid pornography. Do you know that? In case you don't know, welcome to the 21st century. You can be browsing by yourself. Huh? Innocent. See, I'm browsing Christianity.com. And something is popping up that is far away from Christianity. It is my choice whether I want to look at what I've just seen. So I'm driving on the road because it's summer. And people choose not to wear clothes in the summer around here. I have a decision to make whether I want to look at what I have just seen. So I can see something, but am I looking at it? That's my challenge to you. So you need to, and, and this is not just you know, for women to learn about men, but men to understand that you are not, see, your addiction is not beyond God. What you think you are addicted to is not beyond God. It's a simple thing that he has given you the free will to decide what you want to look at. So we said about David that he was a godly man here. So every godly man, you are not exempt from this. It's very important that we don't get into trouble by what we choose to look at. And this can be a very powerful tool in your marriage. So what's our application here? Your husband is not evil for wanting to sleep with you. He is being godly because that's what God commanded him to do. The first instruction was that be what? Be fruitful and multiply. If God did not put that wiring in man, we will not have babies today. What we are here to celebrate today, we will not have. Uh Because one day... Brother Jim was, you know, full of the Holy Ghost. And he decided <laughs> that it was time <laughs> to go and meet Sister Jessica. Uh-huh. And that's why we have what we have, what we have today. Okay, so God put that there deliberately. There is a wiring inside every single man that, that, that desires it. So you have to understand that this is something that God put there. And it's important for you not to use it as a weapon. Okay? So finally, you are the only legitimate source of your husband's intimacy. You are the only legitimate source. I joke with my wife all the time that, you see, when they say men like food, I'm not one of them. Because I like food, but I can get food anywhere. If I'm talking to my wife and she's talking to me anyhow, I'll just take the key of my car and drive around. And everything that I've always wanted to eat, I'll just buy everything. And go and sit down in my car and eat everything. I'm not cheating on her by eating food anywhere. But this one is what I cannot do anywhere else. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you are the only legitimate source. And that is something that, that is a privilege that God has given you and you must use it well. You must use it well. If that's the only thing you remember from everything that I've said today, please don't forget this. So what have we said today? Men want honor and respect. Men are insecure providers. They are providers, but they are very insecure. So you need to, you need to tread softly with them. And finally, men want to sleep with their wives. You have forgotten. How many times? All the time. All the time. It's all the time. Trust me, it is all the time. It's all the time. There is no, there's no, you can't, I mean, I hope with these three points of mind, I've been able to convince you, <laughs> not to confuse you. 
All right? So do something unexpected for your husband this week. In one area that we have talked about. So the, the three things that I've talked about today, if there is one area that you know that there is a challenge in your marriage, do something that your husband will not expect this week. Uh, and I, I like the way the men are smiling. <laughs> Please, I am begging you women, eh, when you get home this week, plan something that your husband will not expect and do something in one of these three areas that your marriage is lacking. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask that you establish us in this truth and indeed in all righteousness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.